This is God's word, Jonah 3, 1 through 5, and verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Mark 1, 14 to 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Well, the first time I went up to speak um, up front in front of the audience at the church where I did my internship last summer, before I even had the chance to introduce myself, someone from the audience just like this shouted and asked, like, who are you over there? (laughs) So um, I'd like to introduce myself before... Um, someone from the audience shouts and asks that question publicly. Um, my name is Ivan, spelled like Ivan, but just pronounced differently. I am from Indonesia, but I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan right now. I'm going to Kelvin Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, getting my Master of Divinity degree there. And this is my first time here to be in Sacramento. So I don't know a lot about Sacramento or California. But one thing that I know is the weather here is just great. (laughs) I just checked the weather back in Michigan literally this morning. It was 23 degrees this morning, but it feels like 10 degrees up there in Michigan. Well, looking up at those numbers doesn't make me that excited to go back to Michigan tomorrow, I guess. So, okay, I think that's my introduction. Um, I see some familiar faces I met last week. I see Mark, I see Hilda, um, I see Michelle, and I met with um, PC this morning. Um, Yeah, these are a few people that I have met with and I have talked with, but um, I'd like to get to know more of you this morning after the service. So, say hi to me, well, or not. It's all up to you, right? Now, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. And we can gather here with this group of wonderful people at City Life Church this morning. Lord, we come this morning with our different feelings. Some of us, 
may have just heard very good news and is happy about it. Some of us may have just heard something that made us very sad this morning. Some of us may have just met someone whom we think we can connect with the rest of our lives. Some of us may be in a time when we feel very lonely. Lord, thank you for welcoming us all this morning without us having to pretend to be someone else. As we hear you speak to us through your living word, we pray that you will graciously guide us to understand your word better. We also pray that not only as we hear you speak to us, we will get to know about you better, but that we will get to personally know you better. In all these things, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So do we still remember what our passage is talking about this morning? Well, after my long introduction, don't feel bad if you don't remember what our passage is about. Well, I have the benefit of reading the passage over and over again because I'm preaching it this morning. Our passage today is talking about the calling of Jesus' first four disciples. Simon, whom some of you may recognize by his more famous name, Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James and John, the son of Zebedee. Now some of you may ask, what does the calling of Jesus' disciples have to do with us? Does this passage have any relevance at all for our modern day lives? Is this passage asking all of us to sell everything we have and to be a full-time pastor? Some of you may wonder, yeah, this passage is easy for you because you're a full-time seminary student right now. But what about me? This passage doesn't seem to have anything to do with me. I love my life, and I love my career. Also, some of you may not still even be sure if you can buy into this Jesus thing, let alone becoming a pastor. Well, let me assure you of one thing. This passage does not ask all of you to become a full-time pastor. So you may wonder, how is this passage relevant to us then? Friends, indeed, Simon, Andrew, James, and John left their families and jobs and followed Jesus. For those four disciples of Jesus, Leaving their jobs was a big thing. But what was even a bigger deal was leaving their families behind. In the Jewish culture of Jesus' time, families um, was where they put their security. Family was everything to them. Family was where their hearts were. So what Jesus was calling those four disciples out of was more than just their families and their jobs. Those two were certainly what Jesus was calling them out of. 
But Jesus was calling them out of something that is greater than just those two. Jesus was calling them out of the thing where they put their security, namely for them, their families. But Jesus is not calling every single one of us to become a full-time pastor. But Jesus is calling every single one of us out of the things where our hearts are, out of the things where we put our security, out of the thing that is everything to us. What is that thing in our modern day lives? Well, most of the time, we put our security in a good thing. I come from a Chinese-Indonesian family. And just like the Jewish people of Jesus' day, families are everything to us. But maybe to some of you, families are not that big of a deal. But career, you devote your lives to your careers. Still, for some, of, for some others, career may not be that important. But love, love is the most important thing in your life. Well, these things, family, career, love, these things are good things. And I can continue this list of good things where we may put our security for a 1K, money, influence, our children's, our talents, and so on and so on. These are the things where Jesus is calling us out of. Jesus, God himself, wants our undivided devotion to him. Not because Jesus is a selfish egomaniac, but because Jesus wants our good. So some of you may now ask, how is giving our undevoted devotion to Jesus for our good? Well, that's a good and legitimate question. Friends, most of us, if not all of us, may at one point or another have been disappointed by someone or something. Some of you may have put your trust, your unconditional trust in love. And then that boyfriend, that girlfriend, or even your spouse may have disillusioned you. Some of you may have given your lives to your careers. And after you gained success, you felt there had to be something more to life than just this. Some of you may have devoted all your lives to your children. And then after they grew up, they may have disappointed you. Anything or anyone in this world, including the church, can at one point or another disappoint you. If we put our undivided devotion to someone or something other than God himself, we will sooner or later be disappointed. That is why Jesus, God himself, wants our undivided trust. Because only He is the one who will not disappoint. Now friends, giving our undevoted devotion to Jesus is hard. And I am not kidding. Following Jesus is not easy. Don't think that because I'm at seminary right now, 
then it is easy for me to give my undevoted devotion to Jesus. Five days ago, my friends and I went to San Francisco. Well, that city, in my opinion, is very beautiful. While we were in San Francisco, we visited the Union Square, where they have the most luxurious hotels in San Francisco. We also visited residential areas with direct view toward the Golden Gate Bridge. At that moment when I visited those places, I thought to myself, wow, all this luxury is so tempting. My heart wanted all those luxurious things my eyes could see. Well, in addition, some of you may have heard that Asian people are very industrious. And I come from one of those hardworking Asian families. I came to the United States to get good education in the first place. And then to build my career. And then to make a good amount of money. But now where am I? I'm at seminary right now. Well, don't get me wrong. I am certain that God is calling me into full-time ministry. But somehow, somehow, some part of me in there is still sad to think about that the career path I have taken is not going to give me all those luxurious goods. So friends, if you struggle to devote all your resources to Jesus, our Lord, you are not alone. I am there. I am there with you. But I am so thankful that devoting our lives to God is not about gaining favor in His eyes. Devoting all our resources, time, and energy It's never about earning points with God. So when I fail, when we fail, we are not driven into despair. Friends, the Christian gospel, the good news we proclaim, is not that we have to do something to gain God's favor, but we have gained God's favor by what has been done by Jesus for us. You may have never heard all the things that Jesus what all the things that Jesus has done for us but exactly by all the things that Jesus has done for us God can and does look us in the eye and then says as Dan mentioned in his sermon 2 weeks ago you are my dear dear child I am delighted with you. So even if we struggle to put our unconditional trust in God, God still favorably looks us in the eye and says, You are my dear, dear child. I am delighted with you. The next thing that I'd like to mention is following God will not always feel easy. 
Some of you may not know who John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was our good guy here. He was faithfully following God in his life. By no means John the Baptist was perfect. No human being is perfect. But John the Baptist certainly was faithful in following God. Definitely more faithful than me, I believe. Oh, wait a second. My phone was just vibrating here. Here, let me see. What's that all about? Oh, I got a Facebook message that says John the Baptist was put in prison. Imagine with me for a while. What if Andrew had Facebook and a smartphone like I do? And then he received that message that says John the Baptist was put in prison. Would Andrew still follow Jesus? Would Andrew instead tell Peter not to follow Jesus? Because John the Baptist was faithfully following God, but then now he's in prison? Would Andrew then post this news about the imprisonment of John the Baptist into his Facebook wall and tell the whole world not to follow Jesus? Well, of course, neither Andrew nor Peter had Facebook or a smartphone. Jesus' disciples didn't know what they were following Jesus into. We know what we're following Jesus into. After he faithfully followed God in his life, John the Baptist was put in prison. Some of you in this room may be able to relate to John the Baptist very well. You feel that you have faithfully followed Jesus in your lives, but then following him just gets harder and harder. Darkness approached and overcame our lives. We just cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that darkness might be caused by the death of our loved one. That darkness might be caused by the failing of our career. That darkness may be caused by the betrayal of a friend. Well, for those of you who feel that way, truly say I'm sorry. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus uttered those words while he was being hung on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, God himself, at the darkest moment in his life, in agony and in pain, cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, theologians throughout history have debated what that utterance really means. But take comfort, my friends, when darkness is our only companion, Jesus understands when the only words that can come out of our mouth are, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Because he's been there himself. He has said those words himself. Jesus will not cast us away when we ask him, My God, my God, why have you forsaken him? He's been there himself. Friends, I'm sorry, I don't know where you're going through this plight. I don't know how long it will take. I don't know where this will take you. I don't know. I just don't know. But we have a God who knows all the answers to your questions. But not just that. A God who's been there himself. A God who has gone through suffering and pain. Even death. And that's our only comfort. Our only comfort in life and in death. I encourage those of you who are not going through those darkest moments in your life to come and to embrace those of your friends who are currently having a difficult period in their lives. Come and embrace them. Sit right next beside to them and cry with them. Indeed, it is ultimately God's love that will carry them through. But show God's love through your words, through your actions, and through your presence. Would you? I will now close with a work of Hebrew poetry, also known as the Psalms. If you want to know the source of this poem, this can be found in our Bible in Psalm 62. The psalmist, that's how we call the author of a works of poetry written in the book of Psalms. He begins by complaining to God about his plight, about the struggle that he is facing, Then in faith, in faith, even though the light may not yet be visible to him, he says. For God alone, my soul in silence waits. Truly my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation my stronghold so that I shall not be shaken. In God is my safety and my honor. God is my strong rock and my refuge. Put your trust in him always, O people. Pour out your hearts before him, for God is our refuge. Let us pray. O Father, Lord, we realize that following you is not easy matter. 
following you is hard. Sometimes we have things or people in our lives that we consider to be more important than you. Sometimes we face situations where we just cannot see you're taking us. Sometimes we just cannot see the light. Trusting you is hard and we admit it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to realize more and more that following you is life-giving to us and to people around us. Help us, Lord, to follow you faithfully day by day, even if it's just hard to do so. Help us, Lord, to be able to say, we believe, help our unbelief. Give us faith to follow you. Give us faith not in our positive thinkings or our own efforts, but in Christ who has done all the work for us, who has tasted pain, suffering, and even death, but has overcome all of them. Give us faith, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.